phrase that was written by David, lifting up the Lord in celebration. And we're going to take a look at this psalm this morning. Listen to what David writes as he begins. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Shall we pray? Father, as we think about this uh, scripture that speaks so powerfully of your character, who you are and what you've done for us, may you encourage our hearts. May you draw us closer to yourself as we take this time to sit in your presence and to enjoy and marvel at who you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to begin with a question this morning. And the question is this. How would you describe your relationship with God? Is it characterized more by duty or delight? Do you find yourself doing things more out of duty or delight in your relationship with God? For example, do you pray because you think you should pray? Or do you pray because you want to spend time with God? Do you read your Bible out of a sense of duty that that's something that Christians should do? Or do you read your Bible because you really want to know more about God? Do you come to worship on Sunday morning because it's just simply a habit or you feel like you should go to church? Or maybe because your parents made you go to church today? Or do you come because you really want to worship God? And you have a joy in your heart and you want to express that to Him. I know that for all of us there can be seasons when we go through a time where we feel more dry. A time when maybe uh, we are doing things more out of duty rather than delight. But if we stay there, if that's what characterizes our Christian life all the time, that we feel like we're just doing things out of duty, and there's no love there, there's no heart relationship with God, we're missing it. We're going to burn out. We're going to run dry and we're going to become bitter perhaps even about life and about the things that we are doing. So how do we keep our relationship with God fresh? And what can we do when we are feeling dry? Those are the things that I'd like us to think about this morning. Now the answer might be different for every person who's here. If I were to sit down and talk with you about what's going on in your life, it might be in a sense a different spiritual prescription for all of us. But there is one thing that all of us can do that is a help at times like this. The one thing that all of us can do is to remember who God is and what He has done. To step back from maybe the busyness of our lives and our activities to simply enjoy some time of quiet in God's presence. Thinking about who He is and what He has done. Because He is a God who loves you and who cares about you. In this particular psalm, David lifts up God in worship. Psalm 145 is David's last psalm in the Psalter. It's a psalm of praise that does indeed worship God for who He is. And when I think about David's life, it is very characteristic of David's relationship with God. I mean, he just expressed what was on his heart at all times. If he was in the pits, he let God know that. If he was rejoicing, he celebrated that. But all the way through, the constant was his concern to be right with God. 
and to lift him up so that others might know him too. Verses 1 and 2 that I read for you are really David's call to praise. And he said, I will exalt you, my God, the King, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. And the words exalt and praise and extol are really synonyms for the same thing. He wanted to lift God up. And do you notice how he saw God? This is my God and He is the King. David may have been Israel's earthly king, but God was their real king. And David knew that too. And David worshipped God as the great king, the king over all kings. And he calls us to do that very same thing. What does he say about God's character in this psalm? He begins in verses 3 to 7 by saying that the Lord is great. He is greater than we can fathom. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. And one generation will commend your works to another and they will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. And they will celebrate celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. He is saying that God is greater than what we can fathom or imagine. He is mighty in power. He is glorious in splendor. He is wonderful in His works. He is abundant in His goodness and righteousness. Do you ever just stop and think about who God is according to the Scriptures? Do you ever stop and think about these statements that David made and just praise God for who He is? He created the universe out of nothing. Now that's an amazing thought, isn't it? He simply spoke the Word and it was. We've read in the Scriptures how He knows every star, every planet by name. He calls them out each night and not one of them is missing. He knows every person on this planet. He knows you and me by name and everything about us. When I go for walks in a park or when I visit a place like the Science Museum or the Minnesota Zoo, I am so amazed at the variety of God's creation. The wonders that He has made that are simply the handiwork uh, that show who He is and His design and concern for each and every creature. God has that same concern and even more for you and me. J.I. Packer said it like this in the book Knowing God. He said that He knows me and I am graven on the palms of His hands. I am never out of His mind. All my knowledge of Him depends upon His sustained initiative in knowing me. I know Him because He first knew me and continues to know me. And He knows me as a friend, one who loves me. And there is no moment when His eye is off me or His attention is distracted from me. And no moment, therefore, when His care falters. This is momentous knowledge. There is unspeakable comfort in knowing that God is constantly taking knowledge of me in love and watching over me for my good. That truly is amazing and a comfort to each one of us. In the 1930s and 40s, there was a man named Johnson 
who was one of China's greatest evangelists. He was the son of a Methodist pastor. And even though he had grown up in church and he had heard the gospel and he had gone to you know, all of the services during his life, it wasn't until the age of 26 when he was profoundly converted. And there was such a joy that came into his life and the change that took place in his heart was so dramatic that some people thought he, had, he was a little bit crazy here. You know, you can be fanatical about sports or other passions or interests you have, but if you become passionate about God, sometimes people kind of wonder about you. And John's son fell in love with Jesus Christ, and he had a joy that filled his life that overflowed, and he couldn't stop talking about the Lord and what he had done. He would die in his early 40s of cancer and tuberculosis, but in his 15 years of ministry, He led thousands of Chinese to Jesus Christ. He couldn't stop talking about what God had done for him. This passage says that one generation will commend your works to another, and I wonder, what's your story? And what are the things that we can tell of God's mercy and goodness in our life that we can pass on to our children so that they might know Him too? David goes on to say in verses 8 to 13 that the Lord is gracious and compassionate. In verse 8 he says the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you and they will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men might know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. For your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. Verse 8 is a quote from Exodus 34.6. David quotes this passage of Scripture that is uh, recounted several times in the Old Testament. In fact, it's one of the more commonly quoted verses in the Old Testament. What's interesting about it is these are the very words that God spoke about Himself when He was talking to Moses. God said to Moses that I am a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and rich in love. You know, that's, that's who God is. That's what He affirms about His very character, but it's not what many people would expect about God. There are people in our world and perhaps most people, who would think of God as being all-knowing or all-powerful. And they would readily attribute those kind of qualities to God. But fewer think of God as gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. You see, many think of God as sort of uh, sitting up there as a judge who's waiting for a person to just get out of line and then he's going to kind of smack them, you know, and just kind of bring them up short. And they think of God in that way as someone who might be harsh or unloving rather than as someone who is watching over them for their good. God says, I am gracious and compassionate. I am slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all and He has compassion on all He has made. He waits showing His mercy because He longs for others to come into repentance, into a relationship with Him. He gives us time as He patiently works on our character and helps us to grow in our relationship with Christ. 
He forgives us our sins even though we may do the same thing time and time again. He is patient and loving, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's the nature of our God. That's what He affirms about Himself. And He tells us in this passage that His kingdom is different from other kingdoms. God is not a tyrant. He is benevolent in His love. His kingdom is glorious, more glorious than any earthly kingdom. And His kingdom is eternal. It will endure forever when all earthly kingdoms will pass away. And He invites us to enter His kingdom by placing our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. Max Lucado wrote this about God. He said, There are many reasons God saves you. To bring glory to Himself, to appease His justice, to demonstrate His sovereignty. But one of the sweetest reasons God saves you is because He is fond of you. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If He had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. And whenever you want to talk, He'll listen. And He can live anywhere in the universe, and He chose your heart. And the Christmas gift He sent you in Bethlehem? Face it, friend, He's crazy about you. If that doesn't put a smile on your face or a chuckle in your voice, I don't know what will. He has a good way of stating how much God cares about us as His children and what He has done for us. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Thirdly, the Lord is faithful. And we see that in verses 13 to 16. The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving toward all He has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is faithful to all His promises and loving toward all He has made. I want you to notice how often the word all is used in this section as you go through these verses. I mean, you'll see it in the second half of verse 13. He says He's faithful to all of His promises. He is loving toward all He has made. He upholds all those who fall. He lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. He satisfies the desire of all things or every living thing. He's righteous in all His ways and loving toward all He has made. It goes on and on nine times in that section from verses 13 to 18. He uses the word all. It's not an exaggeration when he is talking about God's unlimited care for us or His unconditional love for us. God is gracious in His mercy toward us. And how is He showing His faithfulness? He does it in these ways. God keeps His Word. His promises are true. God upholds those who are weak. He comes alongside of us when we have needs in our life and need to be lifted up. He provides for our needs, our daily bread, the food we eat, the homes we live in, all the things that we have are gifts from His hand. And God satisfies our heart as only He can do. And people are searching for things to bring satisfaction and meaning in life. And David is saying that God satisfies us when nothing else will. 
God is good in both the good times and the bad. In the 1870s, on February 6th, 1870, George Mueller's wife died. And you remember the story of George Mueller? He was the British Christian who founded an orphanage that cared for children all through those years. He prayed so many times and saw God's specific answers as he provided for their needs. Well, his wife had been ill for some time and eventually succumbed to rheumatic fever. They had been married 39 years and four months. And George Mueller was now 64 years old. Shortly after her funeral, he was strong enough to preach a funeral sermon, as he called it, on one of the following Sundays. The text he chose was Psalm 119.68 that says, You are good and you do good. And the three points of his message that day were the Lord was good and he did good in giving her to me. And secondly, the Lord was good and he did good in so long leaving her to me. And thirdly, the Lord was good and he did good in taking her from me. And under that third point, he shared how he prayed for her during her illness. He said, yes, my father, the times of my wife are in your hands. And you will do the very best thing for her and for me, whether life or death. If it may be, raise up yet again my precious wife. You are able to do it, though she is so ill. But however you choose to deal with me, only help me to continue to be perfectly satisfied with your holy will. The Lord is faithful. He is good in the good times and the hard times of life. How has God been faithful to you? Again, what would your story be? What are the things that you have seen God do in your life in terms of providing for you or answering prayer or meeting your needs or the way He worked in your salvation in bringing you to a relationship with Christ? Sometimes when we are going through times in our life that are dry or we're feeling like, boy, we've just been giving out a lot or maybe we just need some quiet and a step back. It's good to think about those things that God has done. To make a list in our mind or to write them out in a journal or a sheet of paper. And to say, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to me. Finally, in the last part of this psalm, verses 17 to 21, the psalmist tells us that the Lord is righteous. Verse 17 says that the Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving toward all he has made. God is righteous in everything that he does. He is holy, and so everything He does is holy. It can't be any other way. And God is loving toward all He has made, and so everything that He does is done in love. Whether it is His mercy or His discipline in our life, He does what is best. And He's at work for our good. The Scripture affirms that God is light, and God is love. We need to hold on to both in our life. In fact, they call for a proper response in our life. The Bible calls us to both fear and love God. We see that in verses 19 and 20 here. Beginning at verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. And He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry and saves them. 
And the Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Did you catch that? Verse 19, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him and he watches over those who love him. Those two things go together. They're like two sides of the Christian life. On the one side, we are to revere God, we are to honor Him and respect Him because of who He is. He is holy and awesome. He is sovereign and mighty in power. He is different from His creation. He is exalted above His creation. And so we are to come before Him with that sense of reverence. But if that's all we had, God might appear to be distant or removed from His creation in such a way that our relationship wouldn't be that close or intimate. But God is also a loving Heavenly Father and He invites us to come as a child. To come and to enjoy His presence. To call Him Abba or Daddy. That's an amazing contrast, isn't it? To fear God is to honor Him. To respect Him and obey Him. To love God is to delight in Him. To find joy in His presence and in our relationship with Him. And both are to be true of the Christian life. We need both of those. I think C.S. Lewis captured it well in his Narnia series when he pictured Jesus Christ as the Lion Aslan. As he tells that story about Aslan, and Aslan appears in and out in the different parts of the story, he is this lion whose roar is deafening. His strength is powerful. It's unlimited. But his love and his mercy are equal to his strength. And so even a child can understand it and draw near to him. It's a beautiful balance of what God is like in our life. David's last words in the Psalter are verse 21. He says, My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise His holy name forever and ever. He calls on us to praise Him and David says, That's going to be my dying testimony. May the Lord be praised. I will tell of His goodness and His mercy as long as He gives me breath. So let me ask you the question I asked at the beginning. Is your relationship with God characterized more by duty or delight? What would you say today? There may be some of both there. There are times when we do things because they are the right thing to do. And we do it because we want to be responsible and obedient to what God has asked us to do. You know, and to be honest, if we waited to do some things until we felt like it, we might never get around to it at all. <laughs> you know, there are times when I might not feel like praying, but as I begin to pray and come near to God's presence, there's a change that takes place in my heart. And I may not always feel like having a quiet time, but I've developed a habit where I miss it when I don't. And I know that it's important to my walk with God. And there are times when I come and sometimes, you know, I may be reading the Scripture and that day it may not seem like there was, uh, you know, that spark or that moment when you felt like God really spoke to you. But there are other days when it is. When God is so near and He comes to us and meets with us. 
But on the other side, if all we do is out of duty or a fear of God, we're going to burn out. We're not going to last very long in this Christian life where our heart's going to run dry and our love for Him will be cold. God wants us to delight in Him, to love Him and to feel His love in return. If you're feeling dry today, I want to encourage you to just simply take some time. Maybe today's a good day. Spend a couple hours this afternoon. Just go for a walk with God. Or open your Bible and begin to read and pray and talk with Him. And share what's on your heart. And ask Him to meet with you today. Because my prayer for all of us is that our relationship with God will increasingly be marked not by duty, but by delight. Let's pray. Father, may we know the joy of Your presence. May we know how much You love us and care for us each and every day. And may we sense Your pleasure as we seek to live for You and walk in obedience in our relationship with You. Father, I pray that these things would be increasingly true so that it would bring joy to You, joy to us, and that others might see the difference that Christ has made. We ask it in His name. Amen.